comes from Harry Brown's Farm, Starks, Maine, where there is music in the cafe at night and revolution in the air. Dig at harryshill.net and Facebook Harry Brown's Farm. Please join us this Saturday morning when we'll be joined on the coffee house by local farmers, artists, and musicians, Edith and Bennett. We'll check in on their busy lives and be treated to a share of their homegrown music. That's this Saturday morning at 8 for Edith and Bennett. Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits to strengthen Maine's economy by focusing on education, leadership, and quality of place. On the web at maincf.org. The time is 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM. 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at weru.org. Talk of the Towns with guest host Natalie Springle is up next. and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities, to share what works, to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspective. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. This is Natalie Springle, guest host for this program. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. This morning, our topic is the Eastern Maine Skippers Program. Successful fishermen today blend traditional skills and deep knowledge of life on the water with emerging science and technology. They need all of that to meet the immediate challenges, anticipate and adapt to changing conditions, and have meaningful input in the management process. Recognizing that many young men and women struggle to see the relevance of high school when the rewards of going fishing are clearly evident, Deer Isle Stonington High School, North Haven School, and other area schools, along with Penobscot East Resource Center and other partners, have come together to link learning in the classroom with learning on the water and beyond in the Eastern Maine Skippers Program. In the studio today, to share a bit about this exciting program are Todd West, the principal at Deer Isle Stonington High School, Carla Gunther of Penobscot East Resource Center, and on the line we will soon be joined by Kristen McGovern, science teacher at North Haven School and some of her students, along with Curtis Haycock, a fisherman from Millbridge. So let's first learn what the program is all about. Todd, what is the Eastern Maine Skippers Program? Hi, Natalie. Thanks for having us here today. Uh, we're really excited to talk about the Eastern Maine Skippers Program. And uh, the Eastern Maine Skippers Program is an effort, a collaborative effort, from uh, centered on Deer Isle Stonington, along with Penobscot East Resource Center. And our goal is to connect the students in high schools in coastal down East Maine who aspire to be commercial fishermen and uh, try to help them become prepared to actively contribute to the vitality of our fishing communities today and into the future. Great, that sounds like a, a really kind of an innovative approach to education. Absolutely. Um, you know, Deer Isle Stonington High School, unfortunately, uh, four and five years ago, uh, we had some, some rather disappointing outcomes of our educational process. We had a 57% graduation rate in 2009. That was the lowest graduation rate in the state. A year later, we were named a persistently low achieving school by the Department of Education. And uh, that really sparked an, an, an effort on our part to think about how we could provide an education that works for all of our students at our school and make sure that our students were getting the education that they needed to be prepared. Since then, our graduation rate has gone up to over 90%. Wow. Each of the last two years, our, our achievement results on state tests and other measures are also moving forward. 
But we realized that there was only so far that traditional learning and education would take us, that we still had a large number of students who, even if they were going through their classes, they, they weren't deeply engaged in and invested in their classes. And of course, in Deer Isle and Stonington, we are some of the oldest and most successful fishing communities in Maine. Our communities have a really rich fishing tradition uh, that, that is a tremendous strength of our community. And we felt that one way to continue to really help drive school improvement in our school would be to connect more closely, not only with the traditions of our fishing community, but also looking at what the fishery might need to be successful going forward into the future. And perhaps our schools could do things a little bit outside of the box to help prepare some future fishermen who could lead a sustainable fishery in Down East Maine. Great. And Carla, you are with the Penobscot East Resource Center and you actively work on a day-to-day basis with fishermen. And Penobscot East Resource Center um, really does a lot to support fishing communities in in the Down East region. You're based in Stonington. Um, How did Penobscot East Resource Center get involved in the Eastern Maine Skippers program? Thank you, Natalie. Um, It's a good question. We've been working for, well, we're about a 10-year-old organization, and we started with the Community Fisheries Action Roundtable Program, which was a fisherman leadership program where we would gather fishermen leaders from the communities throughout eastern Maine and um, hone in on some of the questions uh, fishermen had, scientific questions, maybe they were management, regulatory questions, hone in on leadership processes and leadership development within the fishing industry. Um, we had Tom Dime, who's the marine study, uh, marine trades teacher at Deer Isle Stonington. He was one of those industry leaders in a, in a CFAR program a few years back. And through his experience in the program said, we need to bring this to the high school. We need to do this with the next generation. And several of the other older fishermen who were participating in the program said, what a great idea. And it became um, kind of at that point, it was basically simultaneous with what was going on at Deer Isle Stonington, the situation Todd was just mentioning. And uh, and there, here we are. That's great. That's great. What an, what an innovative and unusual approach. Um, what's the connection between this program and other schools in the region? Yeah, you know, the, there are so many fishing communities, just like Deer Isle Stonington High School, up and down the coast of Maine. And many of them, especially in down east Maine, are very small high schools. And so they may have four or five students who are really interested in becoming commercial fishermen. But it's very difficult for a small school of 60, 100, 150 students to offer a relatively expensive program. And at the same time, um, in our work with Penobscot East and talking with the fishing industry, that that having this connection amongst a, a group of future fishermen who might see themselves as more of a connected fleet might be a really beneficial thing both both for the students and the schools as well as the industry. And so we initially set out to uh, connect the students in 13 coastal high schools that would be in lobster management zones A through C. And that roughly goes from North Haven all the way down to Eastport. And at this time, we've got seven schools collaborating on the project. Uh, So there is North Haven School, Vinyl Haven Community School, Deer Isle Stonington High School, George Stevens Academy, Ellsworth High School, Mount Desert Island High School, and Narraguegas High School. Great. Um, what, What do you think makes this program so different than some of the more traditional approaches to education. Carla. Uh, Well, I think one of the things that makes it really different is the project-based learning approach. And uh, these are real-world authentic learning opportunities. And I think that's one of the things that resonates the most with the fishermen we've, with industry members that we've connected with and kind of defining the curriculum and projects we should be working on, identifying the skill sets that future fishermen should should have in order to be successful in the industry. Um, Fishing's different today than it was 20 years ago. It most definitely is. And and that's something uh, when we held community meetings with with fishermen in Vinyl Haven, North Haven, Stonington, um, those fishermen all recognized those changes and how some of them felt ill-prepared to to face some of those new challenges. So, like what? Um, 
I'd say in many cases, it's how to interact with the management system. Um, I think a lot of the older fishermen feel pretty confused by it or feel as though if they had been involved earlier, some of the changes that have happened wouldn't have happened the way they have. Um, and I think they, they really wish they understood how to communicate better with scientists and managers that if they had you know, 30 years ago had the relationships that they currently have with scientists and managers, maybe more could have happened over time. Um, and so I, the, one of the things we're doing with the program this year with our winter flounder um, experimental fishery is right from the get-go getting, getting these kids, or many of them are already currently fishing with student licenses, getting them right soup to nuts. Let's, you know, let's talk with the commissioner of marine resources. Let's find out. Let's talk to the guy, uh, Kevin Rousseau at the Department of Marine Resources who gives special licenses. Let's go straight to the DMR Advisory Council. Let's apply. Let's let's know the regulatory process if we want to explore a new and emerging fishery. So they're learning all of that. They're learning a lot of nuts and bolts of how to be involved in management, how to integrate all the different disciplines in school. This So the project-based learning approach, Todd, is that um, how, how different is that? from what is going on in schools sort of on a day-to-day basis? Uh, Of course, it depends on the school and the classroom Mm -hmm. and the subject, but certainly the attempt to take some really core academic disciplines like math, science, English, civics, and teach those through a hands-on, community-based, project-based approach uh, is is relatively unique. And then I think what makes the Skippers program really innovative is it's not just a, a classroom or a school attempting to do project-based learning in this sense. It's a, it's a collaboration of schools. And so we've had to figure out a way to let each school determine how to implement the Skippers program in a way that works for them while maintaining some, some central ideas that are really important to the whole program. And so we initially, when we thought about this, we made some decisions very early on. that that students would not be leaving their own schools, uh, that money would not be going from one school to another. And the most important decision we made was that we didn't have to offer the class at the same time across all of these high schools because trying to get seven high schools to coordinate their schedule in such a way that all the students could take the skippers program at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday would be practically impossible. And so we've embraced the concept of anytime, anywhere learning and let each school determine how to best implement the program. And that's, that, that is really different to have uh, seven schools working yeah. together on a common project that that is not being mandated from anywhere. It's something that they're all wanting to come to and implement in their schools. And how did you guys come up with this first project? So it's the winter flounder flounder experimental fishery. How did how did that come about? It's um, a new program, it's, new project. Yep, there's yep. not a whole lot of flounder fishing going on in the Gulf of Maine, there's if not, I understand correctly. Correct. There, there is not currently a, a winter flounder fishery. And, of course, there's been a lot of news lately about the the uh, reliance in Maine on, on the lobster fishery and how such a vast majority of the fishing effort in Maine is focused on a single species and the problems that that might have over the long term. And so we we wanted to ask the students, how would you go about creating a supplemental fishery? If you wanted to do something besides lobster fishing, how would you start that? And what's really great about that is that no one knows. That's not a question where you can go to a textbook and find the answer. You can't even go to the commissioner of the Department of Marine Resources and find the answer. Uh, He actually assign the homework assignment to the students to investigate that question. And so he came to Stonington. We had all the students in the program together for an an initial meeting. And uh, Commissioner Kelleher provided homework to the students. And he said, I need you to help me figure out how to start a winter flounder fishery and and report back to me in May. That's great. There's not a lot of uh, students, I think, who can say their homework was assigned by the commissioner of a, of a department. Well, he, he said it was a new experience for him, too. I bet. He, he, he said he used to try to not do his homework. So, <laughs> so he, homework so he knows new. what these students are going through. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's, yep. that's really great. So the Winter Flounder um, Project, so the students, if I understand correctly, they've been designing traps. How's that been going? 
Uh, it's been going pretty well. We're at the uh, the Maine Fisherman's Forum at the end of February where the students brought uh, their trap designs and um, created quite a splash. And so each school, since we have seven schools participating in the program, we have school teams. Uh, Vinyl Haven and North Haven have formed a team. They have co-designed a trap. Uh, Deer Isle Stonington and George Stevens Academy, they have formed a team and they've co-designed another trap design. And uh, then Narragwagus um, has their trap design going on with some local fishermen they've been working with there. And then uh, Ellsworth High School and Mount Desert Island have been a team designing a trap. So we have four different trap designs. They look remarkably different from each other there you know each community has been communicating with their local fishermen who have you know caught winter flounder not with traps but know a little bit about winter flounder behavior and where to find them which habitat um, what they might want to eat things like that so each each school has very different trap designs and they are just about to put them in the water i think in the next upcoming weeks and what do the traps look like paint a picture for us um, I'm well, thinking, compare them, for example, to a lobster trap, which everybody knows what a lobster yeah, trap is. Yes, so like. uh, the lobster trap, say, you know, the two by four kind of um, rectangular shape. Some of these schools, that, again, many of these students who are participating in the program are currently lobster fishing. They have student licenses and uh, they had a hard time thinking outside of the box, if you will. Uh, they really wanted to just augment a lobster trap to catch fish. So some of the schools have a trap that looks very much like a lobster trap. And then um, Deer Isle Stonington has, I guess it would be, I'm trying to think of how many sides. I think o- it's an octagonal. octagonal. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it's a hexagonal or octagonal trap. And it has a trap door on the bottom. And then... Uh, after the fishermen's forum, there was a lot of input from fishermen Great. as they passed those traps. And so I think a few of the other schools went back to the drawing board. And okay. I haven't seen what's come back. Okay. So it'll be pretty interesting. Yep. I, I think that we have um, Kristen McGovern, a teacher from North Haven School, who's on the line with some of her students. And maybe we can ask them what their traps look like. Kristen, are you there? We are here. Hi, Kristen. Thanks for joining the show. Who yeah, do you have with you? Um, I have four students. We have um, Deb Campbell and Dalton Hornby, who are seniors this year. And we have Aiden Emerson and Avery Waterman, who are juniors. Great. Great. So, Kristen, tell us a little bit about your school's involvement in the Eastern Maine Skippers program. And then we'd love to hear a little bit from your students, how it's going for them. Um, the program here at North Haven is... Um, is an elective-based class, but it's for science credit. And um, so we we meet regularly. Um, and sometimes we work with the school, for, with Vinyl Haven School students on programming, and sometimes we work independently. Um, through the Flounder Trap Design Project, we've been working with Vinyl Haven and designing our own version of the trap and then working with them to make modifications. And then we built the traps together. And um, how do you guys, how have you um, come up with your trap design? Where are you getting your ideas, your, you well, know, your creativity for the trap design in terms of materials and shape and what might work? I imagine this is a lot of conversation between you and your students and community members. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I'm going to let one of the students answer that one. Great. Um, about trap design and how we came up with the idea. Who, who, who are we talking to? Uh, this is Avery. Hi, Avery. Hi. Um, so our trap, how we um, built our trap is we based it just off a regular lobster trap. Um, but then we made it a little bit um, shorter and a little bit wider. And then um, there's three entrances on three sides in there pretty thin, just enough room for a flounder to slide into. Um, it's angled up also on, uh, so that they can't escape out of it again. And then there's also okay. um, a legal-sized lobster vent in it um, so that any bycatch that goes in there can get out. Tell us what you mean by bycatch. Bycatch um, would be anything like lobsters or crabs or anything that's not the intended species Great. that we're trying to catch. Okay. And how did you guys come up with that design? 
Uh, well, like I said, we based it off of like a regular lobster trap because um, we um, catch winter flounder in them sometimes if we're just hauling our own regular lobster traps. So we figured that it would be a good starting point. And are you a fisherman? Yeah, I have my student license and hopefully we'll have my commercial this summer. Okay, great, great. So how is um, what you're doing with this program? Um, do you feel like you're learning new stuff as a fisherman or are you learning things that'll help inform what you do as a fisherman? Yeah, um, it's nice because um, I think that fishing out here is just so common that people don't appreciate it uh -huh. as much. Um, so it's nice that the school is starting to get involved with that. And yeah, we're learning how to get a special license and go through the Department of Marine Resources and pretty much learn some of like the business end of fishing, really. That's great. That's great. I hear you guys actually met with the Commissioner of Marine Resources. That must have been kind of an unusual experience. Yeah, that was that was the day. Yeah, we went up to Augusta and um, yeah, I had to stand in front of the council and uh, present. So that was really different. I've never had to do that before. That's great. That, how awesome that you did that. Do you think that they had ever heard um, high school students standing up in front of them and talking to them the way that you guys did? No, definitely not. Because when we were done, it was like all of them had the same look on their face and they were like pretty just certain that they were like, yeah, that sounds like an awesome idea. Here's the permit. The students were very nervous about presenting in front of the advisory council, and then when the meeting started, it was pretty clear that the advisory council was more nervous about <laughs> the students presenting uh, and having that many people at the meeting. Uh, it was a really great experience. That sounds like a great experience all around, and, and really great for the council to be actively involved in, in what you guys are up to and be fully engaged in that. That's great. So what comes um, what comes next? So you guys have been designing traps. Um, what are you going to do with them? Okay, this is uh, Kristen again. Hi, Kristen, but, great. Um, what we're going to do now is uh, we've made a, a plan for deploying the traps. Um, we're going to be using Avery's boat, actually. And um, so we will be deploying traps and then collecting data on what we catch and we created some data sheets the students were working on um, using the numbers program on our school laptops to create a data collection sheet with you know, specific criteria that we want to make sure that we're collecting. So including, like Avery mentioned, bycatch, but also you know, if we catch flounder, where, um, where the traps are deployed, how long the set is, um, and um, the size and weight of each uh -huh. of those. Great. So that's the next step. That's the next step. And that happens when, when, when can you start fishing in terms of what your, your permit tells you that you can do? Well, we could start fishing earlier than we will be able to based okay. on people getting, um, Avery will be able to get his boat in the water pretty early after break, um, which will be, we're shooting for that week of, or May 1st, really, to get the traps in the water. Great, great. So. How many students do you have in the, involved in the program at your school? Well, we have currently we have four students. Okay, and they're full time involved. So, what do you mean by full time? So, this oh. is this is school. This is primarily what this project is. What they're doing when they're at school with you? No, when they're in. Sorry, full time meaning their science class is working on this. Great. Um, we also we have some other projects. We have an aquaponics program that students take part in. Um, monitoring and maintaining but um, the rest of the time we're working on things related to the the marine program great great and how have you guys been um, have your students been interacting with students at other schools um, we we have been interacting with some students at other schools mostly when we go on the field trips and then like I had mentioned before we work with vinyl haven students quite frequently and um, maybe the they can speak a little bit about great working with uh, students from other communities. That sounds great. So who are we talking to? Um, hi, this is Aiden. Hi, Aiden. Um, I think one thing that's really cool about this program is that we got to work very closely with Vinyl Haven because they're just a short boat right away and 
you know, every Tuesday and Thursday, just about we'd take the take the boat across there and take a car down to their school and go and work on the traps. Which That's I great. Cool. Yeah. Does that not usually happen that you do projects together with Final Haven? Um, no, we don't. We don't usually do too many projects. This is the first time we've ever really gone down there. I think and worked worked on an actual project. That's great. That's great. So you go there, they come to you, and yeah, they came. They came over here a few times to you know help design them and right. Yeah. Great, great. Um, would you guys encourage other um, students to get involved in the program? Um, yeah, I would definitely encourage other students to get involved in the program because it's just, I mean, it's sort of our style of learning out here. You know, with such a small school that we have a lot of real, like, hands-on learning. And going over there was just a lot of fun and working with other students and sharing ideas. It was just great. Great. What year are you? I'm a junior. You're a junior. So do you think you'll be involved in the program next year? Uh, yeah, I hope to be involved in the program next year. Great. Aiden, That's... do you have ideas for what uh, what our project should be next year? Oh. Have you, ever, have you guys put any thought into that? Uh, I don't know yet. I think mainly we're just focused on this for right now and getting <laughs> it to be as sustainable as possible. All right. That's great. That's great. Well, thanks a lot, you guys. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about how the project is working for you guys? Um, well, it's it's just been working great. I, it, again, I'll say it was really cool working with Vinyl Haven and all the other schools just getting to share ideas and, um, you know, really just connect with other schools and students and try to make this a sustainable fishery. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. So I just want to remind listeners that you're listening to WERU Community Radio um, at 89.9 and 99.9 in Bangor. And um, we are talking about the Eastern Maine Skippers Program. My guests in the studio are um, Todd West from Deer Isle Stonington High School, the principal, and Carla Gunther from Penobscot East Resource Center. We just heard from Kristen McGovern, who is a science teacher on North Haven, and a few of her students um, who are involved in the Eastern Maine skippers program and uh todd what did you think of that that was kind of interesting yeah it's uh, it was great to hear from a, a teacher and always to hear from the students yeah. and how excited they are um and you know i think one of the things that really came out in talking to the students from north haven is what really makes the program unique uh Building traps is not new in a marine trades program in a school. Uh, students have been doing that for quite a long time. Okay. Um, they have. I don't think they built winter flounder traps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but really, it's it's the combination of some traditional skills that are really important for students to learn who want to enter the fishery, as well as some of these real life skills. Um, public speaking, active citizenship, and then layering on the academics. You know, there, there's a lot of science that's going on in this project from uh, initially when we met, all the st students got together at Maine Maritime Academy in December, and Sally Sherman, who is a biologist with the Department of Marine Resources, came and talked with the students about the, the biology and natural history of winter flounder, went over the inshore trawl survey data, um, and students use that to engineer traps. You know, it's it's not it's not just tinkering around and 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 hey, let's try this. It was it was thinking about what makes a flounder unique and what makes a flounder different from a lobster, and how would you engineer a trap that would allow you to catch flounder. And now that they've built the traps, it's moving into a field study phase where students are doing real science and uh, collecting data. They have to design the survey. So it's it's really the combination of kind of traditional vocational skills, real life skills, and then academic skills that make the program unique. You're describing a high school program that is so completely different than my high school experience. I want to go back to high school and enroll. It sounds really great. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's hard to not be a student in that program yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's really very <laughs> applied and useful information. Um, you mentioned the inshore trawl survey, and I wondered, Carla, if you could tell us a little bit about what that is. Sure. Um, uh, the Maine New Hampshire inshore trawl survey, it's run by pretty much the state of Maine every year, every spring. And it, it most, it's been used to assess the different marine species that we have in Maine. It's used to um, assess lobster. It's used to assess fish. Um, it's just now starting to be used more with our scallop assessments. And um, so we, it's a good, long, 
data series that we have. And as far as winter flounder, we've been seeing more and more winter flounder in the trawl survey data. And primarily, this increase in fish we're seeing in eastern Maine. So they're in the real inshore shallow areas um, where, where they like to be in both the spring and the fall. And um, we're just seeing more and more numbers. So it looks like it could potentially provide a supplemental fishery. And has there historically been an important winter flounder fishery, or is this really kind of an emerging potential fishery? Um, it would be more of an emerging potential fishery. Okay. We've we've always caught winter flounder, but it's always been more of a, you know, among a suite of species. Most people didn't target it. If they did, they targeted it with just kind of hook and line. Um, it was a recreational sort of endeavor. Okay. Um, a few of, like, like Tom Dime, the Marine Trades teacher, and Dennis Damon, a former legis- state legis- legislator, um, she, he he was talking about catching them as a kid, and that's one. And and, it, and including Commissioner Kelleher, when he assigned the homework originally, he said he remembered catching blackbacks as a kid. Okay. So it's it has a long history uh, in our culture and in our heritage, but just not as especially not as a trap um, trap targeted fishery. Okay. Okay. So this is neat. They're really sort of innovating something new. Yeah. And, and, and they're, again, they're doing real science. So there is actually a fisherman down in Booth Bay about 10 years ago, five to 10 years Mm -hmm. ago that did a a study with GM, the Gulf of Maine research Institute on, could there be a, a trap based winter flounder fishery? And his attempts were unsuccessful but part of part of the recommendations were you should try this further down east where there's more fish, and so I think students are are starting to see that number one, um, sometimes no data is good data because it helps point you in the next direction, and that there are there are starting places, and that. Uh, fields like science can provide you a starting place to figure out where you want to go mm-hmm. that, that you're not starting fresh um, and they're they're engaging in this scientific process that's pretty important. Yeah, yeah, that's really neat. Now, Todd, you, um, you have a lot of knowledge related to the fishery, which might be kind of a unique uh, knowledge set for a principal, if I might say. How did you get so interested in the fishery? Was it through this project or did you come into it um, have, you know, do you have a background as a fisherman, or where, where did you get into fisheries? Uh, this, this is one of the great ironies of this entire project. I grew up in Colorado fly fishing for brook trout okay. in the Rocky Mountains, <laughs> um, and I, I uh, honestly, I, I, I know next to nothing about fisheries. I rely on people like Carla uh-huh. and Tom Dime and the students all know more about fisheries than I do. Um, so you're one learning. Of the, one of the most enjoyable things has been talking with fishermen in our community. Um, who who really they know so much and I just I just try and pay attention and listen to what they're saying Great. but um, you know I think it I think it is important as as school leaders to think about the community that your school is in and what are the strengths of that community and how do you connect with those and um, you know I I certainly knew very little about about fisheries uh, when I moved to Maine 20 years ago and and seven years ago when I became principal but because on, on Deer Isle Stonington, fishing is so important to not tap into that local knowledge would create a disconnect between the school and the community that, that ultimately would not help the students. And so by pulling in those community resources, that helps students become engaged in school and that really helps them learn more ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Carla, I'm seeing I'm seeing you nod and, and I know your office is based in Stonington and I think maybe you live in Stonington and how, how is the... Um, How's the project integrating into the community, would you say? I think the the project across all of the communities um, and the schools that are participating in the program, uh, there's been a, a varied level. I mean, Narraguegas has had local fishermen come into the classroom. Uh, I think some of the other schools have had fishermen come into the classroom. And uh, in other cases, we've gone out to the fishermen uh, to ask for their input on this. I think by and large in our in our more broad, not just in the Winter Flounder Project, but broadly about coming up with the curriculum, the idea for this program, where it needs to go. We've had several local Stonington fishermen involved in those conversations, and including co-op manager of the Stonington co-op, Ronnie Trundy, and he's come to these bigger meetings. He, he leaves thinking, you know, my sons hated school. They couldn't, mm. they couldn't wait to get out. And he's looking at this as such an inspirational opportunity for his grandchildren. 
That's great. And he comes in and he works with us. He's learning new technology himself on the iPad and fidgeting through it and saying, you know, my granddaughter could teach me how to do this faster than, you know, I can right now. And and he's he comes out feeling very positive about the future. And someone who works at the co-op sometimes can't always feel so positive. So <laughs> yeah. he, he comes out thinking, this is really great. I've never been to such a functional meeting before. <laughs> So That's great. it does hope some future for hold some future um, hope for him. That's great. That's great. Um, so uh, let's see. We it, it, the the project is kind of new, right? This is the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like in the last few months, I've seen it in the media, in newspaper articles, and here we are on the radio, um, which kind of the pressure's on. So, what's the long term vision for the for the program? For the, for the Skippers um, for program? For the Skippers program. Where do you see it going over the course of the coming years as it as it sort of wraps up its first year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the, the first year really was about proving that we could do it. Uh, you know, frankly, I think there were some people who thought, oh, it's a great idea, but you'll never be able to pull it off. Uh, yeah. and, and so here we are. We are pulling it off. And you're right, the pressure's on. Uh, that that was partially by design, uh, having mm-hmm. the commissioner set a deadline for yeah. when the student's homework was due. And, um, you know, if, if there's a snow day or, or you can't say your dog ate it because the commissioner is dependent <laughs> on this. Um, but the long-term vision really is to ultimately expand to all the schools in Down East Maine uh, to, to really build in some student voice about where the program goes. Um, we're going to talk with the students later this year about what they would like to work on next year Great. Um, to make sure that, that what we're providing is meaningful and relevant to them. Um, it did sound like talking to the students in North Haven, and I know having talked to other students, that when we present to the commissioner in May, we'll have a, a month's worth of data. And, and the species that we're fishing is called winter flounder for a reason. Uh, part of our special license is being able to fish in the spring, which is actually a, a spawning closure. And so <laughs> ultimately, uh, if this is a, an effective fishery, it's going to have to happen at a different time of year. Um, and so I could definitely see students continuing to fish and collect data throughout the summer and the fall. And I think one of the things that's going to have to be figured out after that is if we're lucky enough to actually catch fish, what do you do with them? There's not a market right now. I was going to ask, actually, what's and if they catch any, and, and presumably they will, what happens to them? Do they get to bring them home and eat them? Well, we, we did get, get permission s- from the advisory council to uh, pursue the catch and release to their stomach uh, <laughs> method. So, um, But, you know, that that's not clear, and that's part of what we want the students to answer. You know, uh-huh. This is what makes it authentic is it's not teachers telling us telling the students what the next steps are. We really want the students to be able to um, determine where we go from here. Okay, great, great. Um, So we are hoping to be able to connect with a fisherman out of Millbridge um, who's been involved in the project down um, that way. And um, so if if you are hearing this, give a shout to the radio station or we'll keep trying you. And... um, one question I have for you guys is, um, well, actually, before that, um, I'd like to open up the phones to um, people to call in if you have any questions or comments about the program. Uh, the studio phone here at WERU is uh, 207-469-0500, or you can call one 625 9378 So we'll open up the lines and, and hope to hear from you. Um, one of the questions I had is, uh, what do you expect that these students um, who've been involved in the program are going to do after graduation? Do you think they're going to go into fishing? Do you think they're going to go into other kinds of careers? Do you think they're going to go to college? What do you? What's your hope and vision and expectation? Yeah, well, one of our fundamental principles that we've built into the program from the very beginning is that it's definitely intended for aspiring commercial fishermen to take part in. But uh, kind of a bedrock uh, belief that we have is that it needs to leave all the doors open after graduation. And so having, having gone through the program, if students decide to be fishermen, we think that they may be better prepared fishermen. But at the same time, um, by including some of these academic skills and real life skills, um, 
you know, they should also be prepared for college and they should be prepared for other marine careers. Uh, that's part of why we try and work closely with Maine Maritime Academy um, and that there's a lot of career and college options there that uh, we, we potentially could connect students with. And so, you know, one of the, the really important things that we want students to know is that the skills that they have as fishermen are transferable and that it can open doors to other careers should they ever want to or should they ever need to. Great. So that's a really important component of the program. Great, great. It sounds like we have someone on the line who is calling in. Um, Hi, who who do we have on the line if you want to talk? Uh, It's uh, Peter from World of Radio. Hi, Peter. Nice to have you on the line. What are you thinking? Well, uh, first I want to say congratulations to Todd and Carla. I I talked to Todd when he was start working on the project and then it was a dream and it's fantastic that he's succeeded this far it is isn't it yeah uh my comment is uh, to indicate also that there are comparable programs to the south uh there is a proposed high school uh in searsport and they are boat building classes which now are up and running in the same loft in hamilton marine um are taught by wer use chairman greg russell so there's a uh, a WERU investment in, in, in this, this project as well. Uh, also a project organizing in, in Portland. Uh, and then, as Todd knows, there are comparable schools in New Haven in New York where the uh, uh, looking at the ocean and water and marine science actually becomes the context for the full program. Everyone is actually looking to the water as a way of organizing um, science and humanities. Uh, not just in a more narrow vocational thing, but as he was just saying, a, a, an opportunity to use that kind of special project uh, as, a, as a transformative way of teaching and learning. Yeah, it seems like this kind of approach to, to learning is, is really expanding and growing, which is wonderful for, for our students. Um, Todd, did you want to comment on that at all? Yeah, it's great to hear you again, Peter. And uh, you're right, This there are certainly a lot of schools looking towards uh, this type of education. And, and one thing that I would say is that it's really, we're actually lucky to be in Maine and New England because there is a, a favorable educational policy climate that has been created where in, in the state of Maine, um, this type of education is supported by the Department of Education as well as other departments of education across the region. And I think there's a real acknowledgement uh, at the state level that traditional means of teaching students are, are good and they work for a lot of students, but they're not working for all students. And that really our challenge is, as schools is to figure out how to create a school that works for every student. And so having the support at the state level um, as well as other schools. Um, I was actually down in Searsport last week talking with Brian Campbell, the principal, um, about about many topics, including our respective marine studies pathways. And uh, sounds like they've got a great program lined up down there. Great, great. Thanks for your call, Peter. Well, I love just last, one last thing. What I love about this is it's reform from inside out instead of from outside in. And, and we can do that in Maine because we're small and, and flexible. Uh, but this is the way, actually, the education program that cries out for this kind of reform actually may um, be, be, be changed in a way. It's from teachers and principals who, who, who are prepared to take the risk and fight the fight. So, well done, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for your call. And, um, the, uh, and I agree with everything that Peter said. It's, it's change from within, which is exciting. And to me, the part of this whole program that's also very interesting is that community members and fishermen have become involved. And I believe that we have Curtis Haycock, a fisherman out of Millbridge, on the line. Um, and we'd love to hear from you, Curtis. Are, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Great. Curtis. Um, thanks for calling in. So tell us a little bit um, about what you do. So you're a fisherman. What, what kind of fishing do you do? Um, I'm a lobster fisherman primarily, and I also scallop drag um, during the winter time. Great. When they allow us to. Great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and tell us a little bit about what um, what your involvement has been with the skippers, I think, uh, and what, what school you're connected to down in the Millbridge region and, and how it's going for you. Right, uh, well, I, I went to Narragugas High School, and when Carla called me and asked me if I would go over to, uh, you know, possibly speak with them and give them a little bit of input of what I may know or come to find out may not know, 
Um, <laughs> I said, sure. I said, I, I, you know, I'd be glad, more than happy to, you know, to get any young man or woman involved in something like this. It's, you know, it's a unique opportunity, wonderful opportunity, actually. So That's great. So um, did you ever have an experience like this when you were in high school? We had, we had a Marine Trades program, but, you know, it was, it was much, much different than this. And that's why I'm, you know, pretty excited about this. It, and I'm not to take anything away from what we did because, you know, we did, we did learn a lot, but it was more or less, you know, we, we built lobster traps and, oh, we did a lot of fiberglass and where we took a skiff apart and, you know, it was just, just little things like that, that, that I still use, you know, in everyday life. So, you know, it was nice to have that opportunity, but this one here is, you know, very exciting to possibly be on another fisheries that for these young men and women, you know, it's a great, great opportunity. Tell us a little bit about the students that you've been uh, talking with at Narraguegas High School. Some of the, they're, they're all boys at Narraguegas, I believe, from, from what I've been over there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a small community here, so I, I know many of the, you know, the fathers. I've, I've worked with them, and, you know, I know them through, through fisheries pretty much. So they seem like uh, very, very good young men as far as what I've seen. And um, so... Carla, it sounds like you and Curtis know each other. How how have you guys interacted? Um, geez, starting about four years ago, I started working with the scallop fishery around the state of Maine. Uh, we had closures that were put in. They were set to sunset, and uh, the state of Maine needed to know how are we going to proceed with management and rebuilding um, the, the scallop fishery. And Curtis and his brother and other folks down in the Steuben, Millbridge area were, were just wonderful and, and really proactive in thinking about rotational scallop management and primarily the management plan that is in Zone 2 um, from Penobscot Bay to uh, Lubeck. That plan came, that was hatched by Curtis and his compadres down there in Millbridge. Great, great. So, um, Curtis, the, the kind of learning that the students are doing in the program, um, do you think that if if you had had that kind of learning, would that how, how would that have helped you in your process in the scallop management? Oh, it, it definitely would have you know sped things up as far as one thing I've noticed you know as you get older and you know you do you do a few more things is the number of people you meet and you get to know. You know we travel scalloping from we've been from Blue Hill Bay to this year we were down in Pembroke, which is in South Bay in Eastport. So you know and, and you meet people as you go and. I heard one of the young men telling earlier it was nice to get to know his neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. just a boat right away, and, and he is right, and that's that's a that's a very big part of this industry is getting to know people and being able to work with them, and, you know, because you, you go places, and there's, you know, you, sometimes you need to stay somewhere else, and it's good to, it's good to know someone, so it's more than just, more than just learning another fishery, it's interacting with the fishermen that you may run into another day. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And are there a, a, a variety of fishermen like you who've gotten involved in the program that you've met through the program or that you know about? Well, you know, like I say, one of the one of the boys at the school there, his father is a is a real good fisherman, and he's caught halibut, a lot of halibut, you know, his whole life. And uh, like I told him, I said, you know, one of the best people you could probably talk to would be your dad. I said, you know, he's a he's a good fisherman, and I'm I'm positive that he's helped him out, and he's. You know, he's had a lot of input along the way, and and that's it's nice that they have people like that to to help them along. One one of the ideas behind this program is to really honor that traditional form of education that has been handed over from generation to generation in fishing in, in the coast of Maine and pretty much worldwide. It, that learning to translate that learning doesn't only happen in the classroom, and that the work that you do on the water, the conversations you can have with your grandfather um, or your father, are, are also educational opportunities that can be valued and rewarded within the school system and the school program. And I think we're we're trying to see that we're really trying to build in by gaining oral history information and seeking that out. Uh, from the student to community members. And that's one of the hardest things, I think, for what some of these students to do is to speak to some of their community elders and ask questions. Uh, and, and it's really neat that that this forum is broadening that opportunity. Yeah, that sounds great, Curtis. And it sounds like, like you're involved in that process and, and sort of supporting the next generation of fishermen. Um, 
do you do you find that so I think you said that you know all the fishermen or all the students who are involved um, do you know are they interested in fishing or are they already fishing or in terms of where they're headed in the future after school yes I you know this I think I met with four of them and one of them I'm kind of related to and you uh-huh. know and they and they are interested in in pursuing a fishing career I, and I don't discourage them from you know going to college or getting further education I you know as far as that goes but you know if they if this is something that they think they may want to do to, to have the opportunity to open up another fisheries is you know it's immense it's, it's big it really is to get on the leading edge of something that may you know may may bring in income for them it's it's very important and i think that they realize that too and after talking with them and you know i think it it may have made them a little more excited and and uh they're, they're very serious about it that is that is really very cool. How how much do you ever encounter winter flounder in your traps, in your lobster traps? We do, yes. Uh, we see them quite a bit. We we also own the lobster pound, and uh, we see them in the lobster pound, small okay. ones, and when we're dragging for our lobsters. And we also see them in our scallop drag too. You know, like I say, we were down in Eastport this year, and every now and then, you know, you would see one in your scallop drag, which was something that before this all happened that. You know, you may or may not even have paid attention to it, but yeah. you know, now that I've been involved, you know, you start to look a little bit more when you when you see them, and you think, "Hey, well, there we go." So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's go ahead. Yeah, talk. I, I think one of the things that that we've come to realize is that is that even though the students are fishermen. Uh, they're, they're still young fishermen, and they've grown up in a fishery that's been primarily lobster. And so there's a lot of students in the program that before now could not have identified a winter flounder if it came up in their trap. And so they're they're also learning some traditional knowledge that uh, they may not have had the opportunity to learn until now. Right. Yeah, that's, that's really great. So, Curtis, um, if you had a, a student sort of ask you some uh, some questions about how to how to get into the fishery and what should they know what, what do you think is some key knowledge that you would encourage the next generation of fishermen to in, to spend some in, time learning before into the into the flounder fishery yeah in or into any fishery into any fishery yeah it's you know it's a tedious process when you get started on anything it it takes time i guess patience would be the you know the biggest virtue as far as that goes you need you need to have patience and you need to be respectful as far as that goes with the with your other fishermen give them their room you know give them their respect and keep you know keep plugging away and things will work out as long as you stay positive and stay focused those sound like some uh life skills as in general (laughs) right yeah yeah yep um todd or carla do you guys have questions for curtis or anything that you know about curtis that you think we should make sure to ask him. I just think it's critical for the program to have fishermen like Curtis, um, some of the local ones we've had in Stonington, as part of the program, um, not only as as mentors and resources for the students, but really to make sure. I, I think the last thing any fisherman would want is the school to create a program that misses the mark and is more of a hindrance uh, to the fishery than a help. And so to really make sure that we're on target and when, you know, we regularly, every fisherman I meet, I ask the question, you know, if there was two or three things that you wish uh, aspiring fishermen could bring with them to the fishery skills or characteristics, what would they be? Uh, Because we want to make sure that what we're doing is actually aligned with what the industry needs and not just a bunch of teachers like me from Colorado (laughs) shooting from the hip and uh, coming up with something that's not going to hit the target so yeah great so I, I really i you know i met curtis at the fisherman's forum and it's been great having him part of the program that's great well curtis thank you so much for joining us on the call and also for the work that you do it's pretty amazing for those four youth to have you as a mentor um really Very understanding welcome. what they're what they're trying to do so um good work and and thanks for for having for coming on the line yep glad i could help good talking to you thanks bye curtis um so i think we're we're nearing the end so i just want to um check in with carla and todd and just kind of ask you both um and and i I think i'm going to ask carla first because it's connected to some of what what curtis was saying if you were sort of to parachute in on on any high school on the coast of maine um and had teachers ask you what do, what do we need to do to prepare our students 
for work or college or sort of a future related to the marine environment, what would you say are some of the key things that they need to learn? Well, I think, uh, I mean, Curtis really hit the nail on the head as far as life skills. I think mm-hmm. that's, that is, uh, you know, the respect, the patience, the try hard, the focus, um, those things we heard loud and clear, I'd say uniformly across the couple hundred fishermen that I've surveyed in, in creating the, the, the strategy and um, goals for this program. But I think in talking with teachers, they sort of nod. Like, yep, that would be great. Yeah, we hear that. That would be good for anybody. But what do we what do we need to teach future fishermen? And, um, you know, Curtis had mentioned that Marine Trades in the past has done fiberglass, you know, maybe even taking apart an engine and putting an engine back together again. That's also been stuff we've heard from the industry. But some of the new ideas that relate to academic learning specifically would be the math, the business math, but also the engineering, the uh, creative problem solving and you know fishermen do that day to day i think mm-hmm. another piece is the um the naturalist observer and curtis touched on that a little bit too with you know watching scallop flounder and where you wouldn't have been paying attention before he is now um i think a lot of the kids now are so focused on lobster that all the other critters that are out there in the ocean end up being overlooked and I think kind of reinstilling that naturalist observer mm. is a key piece. I mean, that's that's who fishermen primarily are. And I think to bring that back to watching those interactions, those species interactions. And in a time of a changing climate, we have emerging species coming up from the south with our warming waters. There's real opportunity in this. And to we have a you know a whole armada of of you know, canaries in the coal mine out there. We've got a bunch of fishermen out on the water who can observe the changes. And if they're keyed into them and can translate what they're learning and seeing, it could be a really great way of protecting our sustainability for our communities on the coast. That's great. Yeah, it it reminds me a little bit of what we were saying at the very beginning of the show, how fishing is just really different today than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. And so having that sort of holistic approach to learning um, seems seems really incredibly useful. Um, and, and Todd, sort of a similar question, um, you know, when you sort of parachute into any school on the coast of Maine and teachers who look at your program ask you, um, how do I engage my non-traditional students, students who don't normally thrive in the regular classroom environment? How do you, how do you pull them in? How do you get them excited about school? What would you say? I, I would say do what we did, which was look outside. Um, mm. You know, I Penobscot East is situated right on Stonington Harbor. Their conference room looks out there. And, and we've had several meetings as, as we've designed the program in the summer. And our students are on the water. You know, we can see them coming in on their boats. Um, and so they are engaged and they are problem solving and they are working hard and they are applying new skills. And so we know that they can do it. And it's just a matter of us as a school being willing to change in order to try and better connect with those skills that they do have. So, and, and I like what you said right at the beginning, look outside. So really pay attention to what you have in your environment to engage the Absolutely. students. Absolutely. I mean, you know, co- uh, Schools and communities that aren't on the coast, they all have some strength, and it may not be fishing, but whatever it is that defines their community, um, getting outside the four walls of the school, Mm -hmm. bringing the community in more, getting the students out in the community can only be beneficial for the students, for the school, and for the community. That's great. That's great. If anybody wanted to find out more or be in touch with you, how would they do that, Todd? Uh, they can either call Deer Isle Stonington mm-hmm. High School, 348-2303, or they can go to our website, www.dishs.org. And we have lots of information about the Skippers program and also how to get in touch. Great. And I, I know I looked over the Skippers program page, and it's chock full of great information. And how about you, Carla? How could people find out more about what Penobscot East is up to? You could go onto our newly relaunched website at www.penobscoteast.org and check out our links to the Eastern Maine Skippers program or call 367-2708. Great. Thank you both. Um, well, we've come to that time. When I'd like to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. 
With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balnain House Highland music recording. Thanks to our guests in the studio, Todd West, principal at Deer Isle Stonington High School, and Carla Gunther of Penobscot East Resource Center, and the folks who called in, Carla Gunther, science teacher on North Haven, and, I'm sorry, Kristen McGovern, science teacher on North Haven, and a couple of her stellar students, and also Curtis Haycock, fisherman in Millbridge, who's serving as a mentor for some of the students down that way. Thanks to those who listened and called in with their questions and experience, and special thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. Ron Beard will be back next month. This is Natalie Springle from the University of Maine Sea Grant Program, your guest host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Mm-hmm.